welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 120. Yeah. And it is a theme episode. It's a special theme episode. In fact, this is probably the theme episode that I'm looking most forward to uh, because it's it's something I've you know kind of felt like we've needed to do because there's a lot of need for it. And, and I'm not that far removed from being a new seller myself. And so we're going to get the opportunity to kind of go back through and look at what are some of the fundamentals? And, you know, we'll talk about the importance of, of just focusing on fundamentals. Uh, but but anybody who's watching on YouTube right now, who we know you, I'm hit, you, you're hitting that like button, right? You're doing that right now. Uh, but anyone watching on YouTube is probably noticing that we're wearing matching purple shirts. Yes. And that's actually, that's what I was looking up because I just wanted to make sure that, you know, we got the right episode that we're going to push people towards because... Yeah. This these shirts actually is from Alan from the Alan Inc. Alan engagement team. Alan from the seller engagement team. And uh, you know, he had us on the podcast and it was an awesome podcast. We were on the eBay for Business podcast. It was episode 75. And on the episode, they had asked us about thrifting and so on. Many of you that listen to us now came over because of that podcast. Yeah. So if you if you're not a listener of the eBay for Business podcast, go check them out. Uh, and if nothing else, go check out the episode that we were on just so that, you know, uh, you can hear our voices more. Just kidding. That's not what? that's not what what it's about. But but let them know. Let eBay, you know, for business know that we sent you over. Go listen to their stuff. They put on a great show there. And so we appreciate the shirts. They feel very comfy. I love it. No, they're they're, they're nice. I mean, purple is my favorite color. So it works out. And I, I like the little little podcast logo in front. So great job, EB, for Business Podcast. Thanks again, Alan, for the shirts. Really appreciate it. And we sent him a PHP shirt. So hopefully he'll represent us like we represent him. That's right. If he's listening. Hopefully, Alan, you're listening. So, all right. <laughs> what a, we a all, bit of, we'll scratch your back. You scratch ours. Hey, you know what? Here. No, we love uh, Bay. eBay is our bay. We've always said that from day one. Even though things happen and, you know, whatever it may be, we still love eBay. and. uh some people may question whether I have eBay tatted on my chest, but you know, not yet. Not yet. Or not there yet. So, okay. Anyways, what a way to start an episode. I've seen him. I've seen him working on his design for his tattoo though. <laughs> He's like in between a few of them. <laughs> All right. Okay. Moving on. All right. So this is a theme episode and we want to get back to our roots. Yes. So actually, here's the funny thing, Mike. I don't think we've ever had a how to like start selling on eBay episode. No, I mean, here's the way I looked at it. And this is, you know, we had talked about doing an episode like this or maybe even a series of episodes, not like back to back, but just over time, occasionally dropping in something Mm -hmm. like this. Because if you think about it, the first few episodes of our podcast was in some ways kind of like how to sell on eBay. Not exactly, but because I was learning, right? And so there was, I was, I look back to some of those episodes and I was just asking a lot of questions. I was explaining my experiences of like, Hey, I didn't know that like you could print out the labels at home. I was going to like the post office and buying labels there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of learning. There was a lot of kind of here's how you watch somebody fumble and, and, and work their way slowly and, and sometimes, you know, tragically through how to sell and source and all these things. I mean, there were some mistakes along the way, Um, but you know, I, I, I've grown since then and I, I look back and I'm not asking those same questions. And I've had a few people say like, hey, you know, I listened to your podcast and, you know, I'm just kind of getting started. Do you have any tips for just getting started or people who've even been reselling for a long time? Um, and, you know, we might be talking about things as if, hey, the knowledge that Orlando has and I have like shared together that everybody has that knowledge. And that's not always the case. You know, you might even be experienced and not have, 
you know, an exact understanding of what it is we're talking about at certain times. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting with eBay. I always say this, uh, two things. So our podcast, we're not like a teaching podcast. We're a documenting podcast, right? We, we teach indirectly by documenting our process and what happens. And we get people all the time say, love the podcast because, you know, there's some things that you guys bring up that I never even thought about mm -hmm. as you're sharing your successes and your failures. Right. Yep. And so, you know, excited about that. And so this episode, we're going to try to be a little more direct about how to start selling on eBay. Now, here's the thing I want to, I want to kind of put this little caveat in there is that, you know, you may be an experienced seller, but there may be things that, you know, Mike and I bring out that maybe you haven't thought about, or maybe there's stuff that we learned from somebody else along the way that you haven't thought about because all the time we're always learning. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's always like these basic things that, you know, somehow get missed because I really feel that, well, this is why we have episode 120 mm -hmm. because reselling is so vast and there is no one quick how to. And, and what brought this up too was it's kind of interesting. I, when I went up and traveled uh, to the Bay Area, I actually uh, went to uh, my uh, old basketball coach's home and it's, it's like 20 plus years since I'd seen them. And, and their kids uh, have, you know, they have vintage stuff. And you know how thrifting is like the cool thing right. to do. And, and, you know, she, the mom was asking me like, Hey, how, how do you sell on eBay? How do you start? And, you know, I kind of said, well, we have this podcast, blah, blah, blah. And then she had asked me, she goes, Hey, do you just have like a PDF? Mm. And I, you know, I actually tried to put something together. Oh man. That's like, that's almost like, I don't want to say like selling a course, but like putting together a booklet of how to, but you're right. Like we have 120 episodes and that's stuff to do. Like, well, that, what and that's what I mean. so I started actually putting something together and I go, Wow, no, there's no way to like cover everything, but we can talk about some basics, right? So on this episode, I want to talk about the top 10 steps to selling on eBay. Yeah, top 10. And and again, going back to what you said about even if you're experienced, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, repeat this too <laughs> Just much. don't turn us off. Yeah, <laughs> that's all we're saying. Stick around. We like it here. Um, But but. There's a quote that I love. It's something to the effect of we often need to be reminded of what we already know more than we need to learn new things, right? And it's kind of that going back to the fundamentals, going back to your foundation, going back to your roots. Uh, and, and we see that like, you know, to use the cheesy sports metaphor, oftentimes people get so teams and whatever get so good. They get so into the advanced stuff that they forget some of the basics. And it's like, if you just go back and just do just the basics You'd be surprised at how much you can learn. And so there might be one or two things you take out of this. Of like, you know what? I've kind of been slipping in that area because I've been thinking of like improving my numbers on this metric by changing my shipping methods. Through, and you're so advanced that it's like, oh, man, I totally forgot. Like, just be basic. Sometimes that's enough to to get some wins. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And the one other thing I wanted to add is there are things that I would have said two years ago that I won't say anymore. Mm. Right. There's new things, things. Change, yeah. and especially helping Mike has helped me kind of focus on like, okay, if I started over and, you know, it was episode one of the podcast and Mike had asked me certain questions, I may be giving different answers. Right. And so I thought about that. So let's go to number one. Right. And you, and again, Mike may disagree on some of this. So this will be interesting. So if you want to start as a new seller, I'd say the very first thing is you have to sign up and download the eBay app before you do everything, anything, right? You also have to make sure you have a bank account. I mean, these are, we're getting really nitty gritty, right? But 
Yeah, this isn't our number one. This is pre-number one, right? Uh, well, yeah, but it's things that people don't think about. Now, it's a little different now because we have managed payments. Well, we're not on there yet because we're try- we're still doing global shipping. But before, you used to have to have a PayPal account. Remember? Do you remember all that? Yep. I mean, it was pretty easy. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, you know, now having signed on to some other programs, I'd say maybe it was a little bit more complicated com- compared to some of the newer reselling or selling platforms. Uh, but overall, I mean, it wasn't that difficult. It wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of times people are switching over from being a buyer on eBay to being a seller. So they already have an account. They may already have PayPal connected, but it's that kind of transition of like, okay, what does it look like to actually list something? Well, and that's that's what I want to throw out is that it's very different. And some of the things that you may hear on our other episodes, you may not have access to with this brand new account. It's kind of interesting because we sell our, our shirts. And by the way, Check the link on the bottom. We have new shirts in stock by the time this episode drops. At least we should. <laughs> uh, so we have all our sizes available. Anyways, that was a shameless plug. But the reason I bring that up is we opened an eBay account. And remember, we got suspended mm. with our brand new Pearson Podcast account. And it was because we were selling too th- too many things too fast. Yeah. Right? That makes sense. Like, again, we talked about like it's, it's eBay trying to protect buyers and the more buyers feel protected, the more likely that sellers are going to be able to long-term do well on a platform. Yeah. So you have to understand that there's going to be some limitations. There's actually going to be limitations on the information that you access if you don't have a store. Right. And it made me, when we, when we sell a shirt, it's kind of, it's interesting for me because I go in there and I'm like, Oh, there's no seller hub. Mm. Right. There's no, you know, tracking's a little bit more difficult. Uh, you know, trying to mess it. It's a whole different thing. And so I, I'm not saying start with the store right away, but understand that if you're hearing other podcasts or you're hearing other YouTube or oh, here watching other YouTube videos about eBay, some of the tools that are being accessed aren't tools you'll have as a brand new seller. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's kind of weird. The more I've re- been reselling, the more I kind of feel like it's almost like a video game, right? Like people- <laughs> Please explain. So people on video games, um, there's actually a funny like Big Bang episode where like one of the characters lost, like somebody stole his account for like World of Warcraft or something. And the whole idea was like, so you're upset because somebody stole your imaginary money that you use in imaginary world to buy imaginary things and you spend real you know, time mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And so like you spend all this time and energy in games to like level up and get money and more resources. And reselling is kind of like doing that in real life, except for you get real money for it. And so it's kind of cool when you first log on to eBay, I kind of feel like it's like starting off in a video game. And I know this sounds really weird, but like they give you very like limited and basic stuff, but it's like, here's, you get, you know, however many free listings. And so you get these free listings, you have a limit on how much you can sell and how much you can list. But the moment you get a couple of sells in, it's like, congratulations on your sell. Next thing you know, it's like, we've upped your, your listing limit to this, right? And it's like, boop, you've leveled up a little bit. You make another sell or two and it's like, congratulations, we're not offering you this much. And we're going to give you an extra free, you know, 50 listings if you use by, you know, this time. And and so they start giving you all this free stuff. And it's it part of it is to hook you in. And we're kind of it seems to be that new sellers tend to do really well. The the algorithm pushes them up. So it is nice. It's like you're starting a video game and it's like walking you through and you're leveling up and it starts off and you can't do all the big stuff. But every time you make a couple of sales, it's almost like credit cards. You know how like you first get a credit card and you got a $500 limit on it and you buy like two things, you make one payment. It's like, congratulations, we've upped your limit to $3,000. You're like, yay. Like that's kind of how eBay is. 
Yeah, it is. As long as you're doing a good job. Well, <laughs> I mean, if, thing. yeah, of course. I mean, if you're if you're making sales and you're not like actually... if you're canceling right away, it's a bad scenario. It's good. And the reason I say that is because sometimes there's new people on on social media that, you know, they they find a hot toy or a hot item. Right. And then they sell out. And some of you that are new, maybe have experienced that because I actually had somebody DM us today. Like my my account's been suspended or limited because I kept counting transactions. Yeah. And that's why I say, you know, start slow. But let's rewind even more. So the very first thing, and this is my suggestion. I'm interested in what Mike says is you research items in your house, not to sell, not to sell. And I have a different perspective on that, but just to research those items by filtering the eBay app to sold. So learn how to check what the highest price is on, on an item, what the sell through rate, meaning how many there are in comparison. Maybe you want to use a completely app, which is, I think it's like $4 and you have it for life. That could be another tool you can use. And then take a look at why items sold, right? Why did the higher price item sell, right? Because what you'll find is when you go and you search, let's say, a Rawlings baseball glove and it's a certain model, you're going to see the same glove sell for more money than for other people. And you take a look at why. Is it the keywords? Is it the pictures? Is it the returns? Is it the feedback that the individual has? Take a look. So get really familiar with it. I would say before you do anything, understand that app because that app is going to be the ultimate tool for you out in the quote unquote wild. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's a good um, strategy because you have access to all the stuff. I remember when I first started selling and I was like, okay, like, should I do Amazon? And I didn't go down the Amazon route right away. But even on eBay, I went through and I literally scanned every single book that was in my library like my personal home library, mm -hmm. right? And it was pretty easy to learn like, okay, fiction novels don't sell for anything on eBay. However, a lot of these like nonfiction texts that I have are actually kind of worth some money. And, and some of my old college books, even though they're like four or five years old, are still worth some money, some of them. And so I started to recognize trends in that, even though those are things that a lot of people already know, but just by scanning and then kind of getting used to, like Orlando said, um, how, do you, how do you filter? right? Because I look at it like I do camera stuff. I do a lot of videography and, and, and things like that. And if anybody out there, even like a phone, you get a new phone. And when you first start doing stuff, you start working on a camera, you start working on a phone. It's brand new. It's a new operating system. You're, it's clumsy. You're not quick. You're like, where is that app? How do I do this thing? How do I change? And the more you do it, the more you don't even think about it. Like if you move an app on your phone after you've had it a certain place, it actually causes you like to, to stumble because you're like, wait a minute, it becomes muscle memory. <laughs> so the more you are used to scan an item or punch in an item, filter, sold, filter by price, filter by date, and then you start getting used to, okay, what's my routine that I, am I going to be in? Should I be looking at how many are posted? If there's hundreds of them posted for $5, and there's been a few that have sold in, in the last 90 days for maybe $8. Well, that doesn't mean they're going to be going for eight bucks if there's lots of them. So you got to learn um, the system. You got to learn the user interface. And the more you're using it, the more familiar you're going to get with it. I don't know if I would say you should stop there. I, I definitely say find something and sell it in your house, right? Something you don't need anymore. Okay, so I might disagree with you on that one. All right, why? Okay, this is why. So a lot of the advice you hear, and we have even said it ourselves on the podcast, you know, find stuff around the house and mm -hmm. sell it. This is why. Now, this, you may disagree. All right. But if... if I disagree. A, <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's a stake in the game when it's for profit and loss, right? Because if you just sell something that you didn't care, that was just sitting around the house... 
you're not going to go all in on it. You're not going to take the best pictures. You're not going to do the best listening. You're not going to do all those things. But if it's something that's going to cost you and you're going to lose if you don't do it right, then there's a lot more at stake and you're willing to do a better job. That's my perspective. So for me, it's like, hey, if it's around the house, you're like, oh, it doesn't sell. Oh, this thing, I don't care if it breaks and, you know, in transit or none of this matters. But if I'm going to the thrift store and I spent $20, I'm going to want my $20 back. And the best way I'm going to do that is I'm going to make sure I have the best listing, the best keywords, the best da 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 And I'm going to treat this as if it's a real deal scenario. Yeah. I mean, I think that's good. I think I think a lot of people are going to start off for fun hobby and then it's going to quickly grow into something else because that's just what this does. Anybody that I've talked to that starts like a <laughs> yeah, small there's no hobby. going back. Yeah, it, it ends up it ends up growing and growing and growing until it's a monster that's out of control. But um I I do I, I get where you're coming from with that like okay, if you want to get skin in the game right away, but the other thing to consider is I would say there's a whole learning curve that happens and it would be kind of nice to do that before you're starting to spend money. Um, I would say because profit, even without considering loss, is still a big deal. So like, for instance, I sold a Kindle that I had before I ever went and bought anything, right? Mm -hmm. And I sold a couple of Magic the Gathering cards that I had before I ever went and bought anything. So for me, it was like, okay, here's an item that I don't use and I don't want and I might be able to make 40 bucks off this Kindle, right? Well, I did auction and I made... 28 bucks. And I was like, well, I did that wrong. Okay. I learned and it, it still hurt, right? Because I could have made 40. So there was still loss there. It wasn't as if it was like, oh, who cares whether this sells or not, but people need money. I mean, I'm just thinking right now I'm doing more, um, you know, Craigslist ad stuff and, and Facebook marketplace and having like looking out to people and trying to like do some arbitrage that way. And one of the things I'm noticing is there are people who want money quickly and a lot of people start reselling for that same reason. So if you need the capital, you want to learn how to do it and you don't necessarily have the money to go out and spend and buy new stuff, you're probably right. It's probably going to create more urgency if you're going to go out and spend a bunch of money or even some money and you're going to play around that way. But the nice thing is it's even like the stock market. There's some good stock market apps or some good Forex trading apps where they give you a demo account to start with where it's like, here's a fake $500 or $100 Go ahead and spend it and see over the next month how much you make, right? And you're still learning the system without, you know, much cost. But this is stuff you're selling. If it's like, I could make $100 for this and I didn't because I didn't list it right, well, you're still going to learn, I think. No, I agree. I mean, I think I think we're both right. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Now, so that's point number one. We're both 100% right. <laughs> All right. So number one, we are. So point number one is research. Research, get familiar with the app, understand how to look up comps. That's what we call it. They're called comps, so comparable prices, all right, or comparative, whatever you want to way you want to term it. So when people use the word comps, that's what that means. And so you're trying to look at how much it's something to sell. And then what that does is it allows you to figure out, okay, how do I want to sell? Do I want to sell it at the high price? Do I want to sell it at the medium price? Do I want to sell it as the lowest? So it sells right away. Now the second step, second step is figure out your capital. Okay. And what I mean by this, I think you there needs to be set limits on what you'll spend. Right. Because it gets it does get addicting. Like you go and you're like, oh, I could flip this five into 30. I can flip this into da, da, da. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're walking out the thrift store and you've dropped one hundred dollars. Right. And then you end up having death pile sometimes. Right. And when you're brand new, you're still things take a long time. Mm. Right. I mean, I can list 15 to 25 things in a day within a few hours. When I first was starting, man, it was it was a process. Right. So. 
I think you need to figure out what you're going to do. And how, I hate using this word, but you have to budget. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good idea just to be safe, um, to say, here's what I have to spend. Never spend more than you have. Um, I, I refer to reselling as safe gambling because you're really not gambling. It's like a business investment. So you're hedging. You're not even hedging your bet. You're, you're making, you're, you're looking at potential gain versus potential loss, your risk versus profit. And most of the time, if you're doing your research, if you're buying the right things, you're going to make money, right? Like most of the time you're not in the long run going to lose money. So it's not like gambling in that sense. However, if you're just starting out, you don't want to be spending a bunch of money because you're going to make mistakes when you're starting out. Uh, you're going to be buying things that, that maybe didn't recognize that there were flaws in it. And now you have this thing that the shirt that you thought was going to sell for 40 bucks, uh, but then you get it home and you realize the pockets ripped or there's buttons missing or whatever it is. And, and yeah, it's going to hurt. Uh, so you want to learn those mistakes, learn from those mistakes early on. Um, so yeah, I would say it's probably good to set a number. Um, I remember when I would go garage selling, I just put a certain number of, of dollar bills in my, in my wallet when I left, right? It was like, all right. And I thought I was a big roller. It's like, I'm leaving the house. I told my wife, taking $50 this time, right? Like yeah, this is a lot of days. money. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I'm taking $50 to go to garage sales. It was like pretty intense. Now it's like, I'm leaving for garage sales. I better have like hundreds of dollars available and it, the ability to get some kind of capital if I need to. Cause sometimes you run into sales where it's like, all right, I need 600 bucks right now to buy all this stuff. So it's amazing how fast that changes, but it is good to recognize like, hey, you're going to start somewhere, probably set a limit. And garage sales and thrift stores are a good way to do that. And yeah, take take some money. Kind of think of it as entertainment. You're learning something. So say like, hey, if I was going to go out to dinner or go watch a movie, I'd spend 40 bucks, 50 bucks. Put that in your wallet. Go to a thrift store. Go to some garage sales. Spend that. And then go from there. Well, and it goes back to my previous point. It makes you take things seriously, mm. right? Because if you have an unlimited amount and you're not waiting for things to sell, well, you might take your time about things. But if you only, let's say $20, and that's what I started with. When I started getting serious about reselling, it was, I shared this in, I don't know, podcast episode one or two, was that me and two other buddies had 20 bucks and we said, hey, let's see how far these this $20 go. And then eventually, you know, in time, I ended up having 46 items, 50 items, 100 items, but I never went in the red. I was constantly in the profit, right? And so you want to reinvest so that's why I'm very big on the set limit because it forces you that, hey, I'm going to make sure that every dollar I make is going to reinvest and allow me to grow this business. Now, we'll talk about later, you know, when do you pay yourself out or when when is it not just money that you're reinvesting? But that's later down the road. And as a side hustle, that's a lot more you know possible to do as a full time. And we'll have a whole episode about, hey, you want to be a full time reseller? that that's something of what you do, but you have to be very disciplined when you pay yourself out. All right. So that makes sense about figuring out what you need. Yeah. And, and even um, as you start to slowly switch, and this is just like, these, some of these things are just mindset things. And, and here's a tip I would give mindset wise. If you're starting this as a hobby, thinking maybe it'll become a business because that's usually how this works, right? Like a lot of people, some people go into it, like I want to quit my day job and I'm starting this right away. But some people just dabble. And, and it's going to grow and scale. So treat it like a hobby slash business and give yourself a budget, like Orlando said, and say like, hey, once a month, I'm going to put $50 and I'm going to reinvest any money I make. But just like it's a bill or just like it's a hobby that I do, it costs however much money to go to the gym. It costs however much money to, I don't know, whatever thing you're into that you do on a, on a regular basis, your hobby. Say, I'm going to, $50 a month is how much I'm going to put into this until it keeps growing and everything I make, I'm going to keep putting into it. 
And if you keep discipline like that, as you're learning, you might realize like, wow, I can actually up this from $50 a month to 75, or you might not even have to pour any of your own money into it. I was pretty surprised with me. It was only like six months of reselling that I feel like I was pouring personal money into it Mm -hmm. before I had enough capital from reselling that I was just using that and I didn't have to add anything extra. I remember the day you told me that. I was so happy for you. You're like, Mm -hmm. Orlando, this is kind of weird. I don't need to use my own money anymore to source. Yeah. And that's great. And the sooner you can get to that place, the far better it's going to be, especially if it's a part-time gig. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. Right. Because of all, and this is why we're starting with eBay with reselling because eBay is low risk, right? You, you don't spend a lot of money. You find something at a garage sale or thrift store or wherever it may be. And then you flip it and then you just keep doing it and you just keep growing and growing and scaling. Right. If you go down the other episode, you know, the other episode, the other route of like Amazon, it's a lot of upfront money right away. Right. You have to, it's a volume game for the most part. At least that's my way of seeing it. Right. Where eBay, you know, you get two or three items, you sell them for good money. You have some capital that's rebuilt and you can go out there and source some more. Yeah. All right. So number one was research. Two was figure out your capital. Number three is get educated. Mm. And this is the one that's going to be a little tougher because there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of content. Now you could pay and take a course. You could, that's doable. And that kind of, you know, fast tracks you, but with eBay, there's so much free information out there. I mean, you, all you have to do is like follow the people that we've interviewed outside of Pierce, podcast mm. and follow them. And you, you're, you're set. Right. I would say pretty much. No, I would say every guest, you know, I mean, Latin pickers are about FBA books, but they also know about reselling right Right. on eBay. Right. That's where they started. And so there is so much information out there. I would say you have to make it part of your routine. Right. It's kind of like a professional development. okay? because some of these videos, some of these have, you know, and this is something Mike and I have talked about doing in the future, like what's sold on eBay. Right. Or these are items to look out for or this is how I shipped or this is how I source. You, you need to get educated. Now, there will come a time where you're, you may do better than all the influencers that you watch. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't it doesn't take a long time to like fast track yourself. But I would say slow and steady, gain that education and then figure out what you want to learn. Yeah. And there's a lot of like great sound bites out there of, of you know, self-help gurus who kind of have great advice on like, you know, invest in yourself, right? Read books, do these things. And when it comes to reselling, there's a lot of of ways that you can get educated, Um, whether it's watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, following people on social media, uh, reading books, and just doing the groundwork, the grunt work of looking up a niche and learning what sells in that niche. And let me, let me say this, it feels very overwhelming when you're looking at the just the overwhelming amount of things. You walk into a thrift store, you go to a garage sale, and at first you're like, I've got no idea. And so the tendency is to stick to what you know. I would say, don't just stick to what you know. Start with what you know, look for those things. But one of my favorite things about being a new seller, which I've in some ways lost, was I was so naive, I was so curious that everything was a possible treasure. Everything. Mm-hmm. So it was like spoons. There's spoons. That. I'm going to look at these spoons. Is there a date on the back of these spoons? And I'm typing in. You look at everything. I looked at everything. And you know what? I learned so much. And I hours and hours of looking at junk and hours and hours of looking at junk and finding a treasure that today I probably am still overlooking because it's, you know, like I'm not going to spend time looking at those items because I don't think there's money there. And I've narrowed in on certain things that I like. 
But you start to develop it. If I were to think now, I can go to a garage sale and I still probably don't know half of the stuff, but I know enough that I can look and say, money there, money there. There's no other easy money here. I'm going to move on to the next one. When I first started, I didn't know all that stuff. Orlando and I would go to a garage sale. He'd do a quick scan and he'd walk away. And I'd be like, wait a minute, I haven't even looked at anything yet. You know, (laughs) and so it's overwhelming because it's like, I'll never be there. But here's a mindset, again, a mindset trick that I use. When you're got something big like that, whether it's a big goal, like I'm going to finish school in four years, or I'm going to lose, I want to lose X amount of weight, or I want, you've got this big goal and it could seem like it's going to take how long to do that? Like, I don't have that much time. It's, it's going to take two years before I can even start using this language kind of proficiently. That seems like forever. That's a lot of hard work. But the reality is that time is going to come and go whether or not you spend the time mm-hmm. learning, right? So two years is probably what it's going to take to become really, really proficient at, at finding items and, and sourcing and becoming really, really good at it. But two years is going to happen whether or not you're using the time and learning and, and researching. So you might as well do it and it becomes easier and it becomes more exciting. Um, and it is investment that it's hard to explain because when you are buying something and you put it on eBay and you sell it, you can do a clear, here's my dollar per hour. It took this long to source it, this long to list it, this long to pack it, this long to send it, right? You can figure out, okay, I made like $30 an hour. When you're just doing research, you have no idea. But what you're doing is you're pouring into the rest of my life. I now know that this item from this year or anything with this brand on it in this condition is going to sell for about this much. And you might only find 10 of those the rest of the time in your you know, career, as it were. But those 10 times have now paid you so much more than the 20 minutes it took to learn that. Mm-hmm. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. So it's hard because you're investing in a future, you're investing in knowledge that might not pay off right away, but you've got to do it. You've got to research, research everything. Be naive. Don't be afraid to spend time looking at junk because the more time you spend looking at junk, then next year, next week, next month is less time you have to look at junk because you're going to go, yep, junk, 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 junk. You don't have to look it up anymore. Now, I want to add to that because you had mentioned time and money and so on. So one thing I wish I did right away, and it took time, is, you know, you get into this, I can sell anything, Mm. right? Everything. Like I could do one to five, I could do, you know, eight to 12. And you will pick up a lot of items that won't sell. And you will pick up a lot of items that maybe not be worth your time. And so, and I see a lot of this, you know, you know, we've, we've mentioned before like Gary Vee and mug life and we're like, well, yeah, a dollar and you sold it for eight. But when you take out the fees and the time you spend, you maybe make two or three bucks. Like, mm-hmm. is it worth your time? And so my advice, if you're new, you may get hooked on the fact that like, Hey, I can turn $1 into 10. Like that's a big deal. Like I remember when I first started reselling, I would sell a t-shirt that I paid a dollar for, for 12 bucks. And I'm like celebrating because mm-hmm. that's a huge ROI. I made 12 times my money. Now it wasn't really 12 times because you take out, you know, PayPal fees and you take out eBay fees and you take out, you know, shipping or whatever else, but it's a big deal. Yeah. But you can get caught in the trap of sourcing a bunch of stuff that has very low margins and you can burn out really quick. So my advice the Orlando of, you know, 2020 in comparison to the Orlando of 2017, 2016 is this. As you're doing this research, begin to discipline yourself to find higher ROI items. 
items that you'll make a lot more money. So I'm not talking about, you know, one to 10. I'm saying, hey, find those items that you can make one, you can pay one and make $25, $30 or pay five and you can make 40 or 50 or pay 10 and make a hundred dollars. Yeah. And actually in some ways, ROI isn't even the right term there because okay. one to 10 is actually better oh, than- it's great ROI. Yeah, yeah. One to 10 is great ROI, but your your actual profit is nine bucks. So the amount of time and energy you're putting in to make nine bucks, whereas you might spend $10 and then sell and make 40 off of it, you're making a $30 profit. The ROI is actually less, but mm-hmm. the amount of work you're putting into that $30 yeah. is actually you know, less work to make that 30 bucks. So you kind of got to consider- yeah, exactly. How much time and energy is it going to take versus the amount of money? I remember I went with a friend when I first started reselling. I'm like, I'm going to show you how to do this. And, you know, he found some DVDs that he looked up and he's like, yeah, like I could buy this for two bucks and they sell for like 12. And I'm like, yes, you're going to make like eight bucks off of that. Like, that's pretty cool. But like, you're going to have to take the pictures and list it. Like, you know, like that's not bad when you're starting out. But over time, I've noticed even in my own inventory, there's things that I got when I very first started that I wouldn't pick up anymore and I'm having a hard time getting rid of. And if I do get rid of those cells are like, oh, want, want. It was just that. Like, I'm glad to get the space back. But it was like, oh, I made five or 10 bucks, which when I first started out, that was like, great. I, I loved it. But you're right. As you can start to become more picky, more um, selective in the items you're picking, you're kind of curating this own museum of yours and you can get higher and higher end items, better items. It becomes it becomes different, right? You're you're not as excited about a $5 profit because you've got so many 30, 40, $100 profit items in your inventory. Yeah. So be aware of that. Now, I will talk about down the road when you become a full-time seller where there is a place for those lower, you know, cheaper items, but that's for a whole different scenario. I'd say if you're starting off and you're brand new, right? You want to have those higher ROI items because they'll also energize you. Right, they'll motivate you, right? I mean, you know, you spend a dollar and you make ten, like that might motivate you. But then after you do all the work, you might go like, "I could have just done an hourly job," you know. Yeah. I, I tell you, like for me, I had a few big things when I first started um, that made some money, but the one that was like convinced my wife. I think the one that was like, <laughs> and that was a big story. I'm like seen in this one. I bought and I remember I even when I, I wonder if we could go back. I don't have those text messages anymore because I got a new phone, but I, I, I sent the message to Alana. I'm like, I think I got a big score and I was at a Salvation Army and it was like $2 shoe day or maybe $4 shoe day. I don't know, something like that. And I bought a pair of cycling shoes. Ah, and I, I remember, remember he that. even asked me, is it carbon? Is the is the the sole carbon? I'm like, yeah, of course the soles are carbon. I didn't even know they made cheap cycling shoes because I, I had cycling shoes that had carbon you know, souls. And I knew they were going to be worth money and they were four bucks. And I sold them for, I don't remember the exact amount. I think it was a hundred, more than a hundred, slightly somewhere like that. And I was like, $4. I bought these pair of old nasty shoes. My wife's like, I can't believe those sold. I can't believe those sold for that much. Those were just nasty old shoes. I'm like, I know I can buy shoes and sell them. And she's like, let's do this. (laughs) Right. Like, so you do want those big things, those things that are going to kind of motivate and keep you going. But you know, you're probably going to buy a few of those smaller things just to get that capital flowing, especially if you're low on money. I think I can imagine there's probably some people who are like, yeah, but I only have $10 to start. Well, a one to $10 gain paying one and getting 10 is a great way to start rolling, especially if it's a fast sale, if you can do it quickly. But as time goes, you're going to be like 10 bucks. What's that? Yeah. And again, it goes back to point number two, you know, about your capital. It, kind of tied into what model do you want to use, mm. right? Because I know, Mike, in the beginning, you were very fast nickel. Um, not not very fast, but you you liked fast nickel. 
instead yeah. of letting things sit and, and go higher price. Now, some people, there's actually a debate in the reselling community, like Fastnickel, some people say is the only way to go because your stuff loses money over time yeah. if you're not flipping it fast enough and you're not reinvesting that That's money. True. Right. And, but there's the other side too that, you know, certain things, it's worth the wait because you'll make several hundred dollars on an item. Right. But that's, I don't know, I feel like we're playing like video games. Like that's level 29 in reselling. Right. But that can happen to someone like your, your shoes. I mean, they're a huge ROI. I remember that. I was pumped for you because I actually didn't know about that mm. <laughs> niche. And then when you shared that, I'm like, huh. And it changed the way I looked at things mm. too. Right. So Mike educated me from the beginning. Yeah. So. All right, so get educated. You know, make it part of your routine, and uh, you know put that on a shirt. Get educated. Hey, it's our t- our t shirt club. All right. <laughs> Next, before you do anything, before you know, so so now you have your you know how to research, you know how much money you're gonna spend, you now kind of in a, have an idea of what you're sourcing for. Now you got to get to the shipping, and I I truly believe the biggest obstacle to selling on eBay is shipping. It is for sure. Right. I mean, you've shared that before where it was easy on Poshmark because you just got to throw in a priority box and whatever. But on eBay, it's a little complicated. But I think one of the reasons that it gets complicated is because you sell something, you're brand new. And you're like, I, I don't even have the supplies. Yep. I don't even know what to do with and, this. And you end up getting stuck. If you're not prepared for it, you end up getting stuck going to the post office and doing the shipping there where you buy the box there, you buy the stuff there. And you lose money. That is a terrible idea. Yes. Right. I even did that one time where I went to a UPS store to, to ship something and it was like, all right, you have bubble wrap for this? Like how much bubble wrap oh you got to put on? Like, really? You know what Yeah. And, and, and wow. well, part of it, I think I did put some bubble wrap, but not enough even because yeah. I, I didn't have like a box the right size for it. And the, I was like, how much like ship this? And they were like, well, we're going to want to put more bubble wrap on this because this stuff isn't really good. And. And so, yeah, you want to have the supplies on hand and kind of know ahead of time. And you don't need a lot, right? You just need a few basic things. And things like boxes, you can find those, you know, pretty much anywhere, different packing material. But it's good to know that you you at least understand what's going to be expected and you have the supplies either on hand or ready to get right away. Yeah. And and then that's what I was going to say. So there, I think there's some that are non-negotiable supplies. And, you know, we do have our link on the bottom, but you don't have to go through our link. But but please do. But, <laughs> I, don't, I just feel, you know, anyways, there are some things that are non-negotiables because you might end up, did you use the bathroom scale to like weigh stuff in the beginning? Um, no. Um, I did most of my shipping through the USPS and I'd actually go and, oh, and Yes, I did that too. It. I'd yes. weigh it there in their little self kiosk. But think about the time that you yeah. lost, right? Yeah. I did do that. I remember. That's great. You pointed that out that I really thought I knew what I was doing. Mm. Like, I'm like, oh, this sold. I'm just going to go drive down to the post office and just weigh it right there and measure it right there. But that's a lot of time. It depends how far it is. I mean, if it's next door, then maybe. And you might be underestimating shipping. It's great if you overestimated shipping and you made money on it. But there's there could be times you're like, yeah, this is going to be this size box and it's going to weigh this much. And then come to find out like it's a little bit bigger box and it weighs a little bit more than you thought. And it's going to cost an extra $10 to ship and you actually lost money. Yeah. yeah. So overall, I would say there's some supplies I think that are non-negotiable. And I would say start small, but there's one that is big and that is your camera. If there's anything that is the most, I believe, important piece of reselling is your camera. But you know what? Your cell phone takes care of Just that. do your cell phone. Yeah. Everyone's I, got a smartphone. 100%. I know some people, you'll see some people on YouTube that use like nice, I don't even know what the DSLRs or whatever cameras. The cell phones we have now, if you have an iPhone 
iPhone A plus or higher, you're golden. Now that's on the Apple side. Yeah. But <laughs> Mike has his own opinions on Android phones. But yeah, they're just better. Even <laughs> even any current Android phone works just fine. Right? Okay, so your phone can work as your research tool and as your camera. And your lister. And your lister. You could. Now, that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, you could list off your phone. If you're not 50, you're probably going to use your phone. Just kidding. I don't know if it's an age thing. I, don't, I think it is an age thing. There, there's so much more available on eBay. It's true. But I, but I still think, I, I think people in their 20s are going to be more likely to just use their phone for everything. They, a lot of them don't even use desktops at all. No, I, I, I'm not arguing that. I think that's doable. I think it's possible. But understand, if that's the route you go, I would say go to the desktop a few times and see what you're missing. Because then it'll give you a better idea of, you know, which you want to use more. Okay. Now, other things, right? You got to figure out if you take pictures with your camera and you're not listing online, mm. right? If you're not listing right on your phone right there, you got to figure out what you're going to do with those pictures. Are you going to airdrop them if you have a MacBook? Do you have a Dropbox? Do you have some way of getting those photos to a desktop if you're using a desktop? So you have to think that through. Okay. The other component is white backgrounds are huge. Okay, it gives you that clean, crisp picture. According to eBay, it pushes you up in the algorithm, in the Google algorithm also. But here's the thing. You can get that nice white background for two bucks. Yep. Two bucks. All right. So when I started, I'm not saying you have to go down this road. What I did is I got the white foam board, not the poster board, the foam board. Mm -hmm. Right. And usually I would have something like I would put a mug like behind the foam board to hold it up. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds kind of, you know. Interesting, but that's how I did it. And I had a white vinyl table cover from the dollar store. Now you can make it another foam board. What I found though, if I did two foam boards, that one foam board would get really dirty. Where with the vinyl, it's easy to wipe stuff off. Mm -hmm. Right. But for two bucks, you can get that nice, clean, crisp white background, or you can use that program, right? That remove.bg. Yeah. Um, I would only use remove.bg for your your main thumbnail because okay. the the quality of the picture is going to be slightly diminished. It's not going to be true, as true. perfect. But it, what I always do, and and this is one of those like potentially advanced tips, is if you're taking let's say eleven pictures, you get twelve, right? Mm -hmm. so you take an eleven pictures and then take your best picture, your front picture, and duplicate it, and have that one. You use a program. I use a program called remove.bg because it's free. And it's really fast. And, and there's actually apps out there that do the same. Yeah. So there's, there's, that's just one tool you can it use. It is. I, 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 the reason I use this one is it's just, for me, it's the fastest. The apps and stuff, there's a lot of like, you have to click where you want it to remove. And sometimes it's not perfect and you have to do a lot of adjustments. This is almost instantaneous and you get to download and it becomes just like, literally looks like a cutout, like a professionally done cutout. Now, the... I only put it as the first one and then the, that same main picture I have without the remove.bg just so that people can look at it at a, at a higher resolution if they want to. But I noticed for the most part, people don't even notice the difference unless they're using a desktop, which I feel like a lot of people use eBay on their oh, phone. Oh, yeah. I think it's like 50% yeah. of online sales are through the phone. So I don't think they're even really that big of a difference. Uh, but when it comes to the white background, it's not going to be perfect if you're using foam boards. It's not going to look like professional cutout done, but it's still going to be cleaner and it's going to be able to show the item a little bit better and, and it just gives it a more professional look. Um, I think, and, and it's, it's very useful. And we have some people that we know that like set these up outside cause you get really good natural lighting. If you're outside, if, if the shade is right. Um, so you don't even have to do this 
like in a professional studio with lighting and things like that for years. And even still, I'll do this. I mean, if you take it, if you ever, you know, we don't share our stores publicly, but if you look at my listings, you see some of my older listings uh, that I use the foam boards and it's not like super nice, crisp and white. And it was just like my kitchen light Mm -hmm. and the two white foam boards. Right. And then eventually I bought like a lighting setup or started using a light box. Uh, But I don't think those are non-negotiables. I will say a light box is a game changer. I think if you could, you know, one of the first things you should invest in second to a scale would be an Amazon light, bo- Amazon basics light box. Uh, if you're doing like shoes or small link in items. the description, link in the description. I wasn't going to go there, but anyways, yes, but it is very helpful. Now, some very practical things. Number one, when you're using your cell phone camera, make sure that the lens, okay, that you're taking the picture with is clean. Cause I find a lot of pictures they have this weird like lighting that shows up or it gets kind of blurry or it doesn't look really crisp. And it's, it's just very basic about wiping the lens. And I, I remember when I had a, a, my, I think my second set of helpers, they did all these pictures and all the pictures came out terrible. Yeah. Use one of these little things. Yeah. So microfiber, I wear glasses, so I always have one, but yeah, I mean, you get some finger, some, some, you get a smudge. Yeah. And it'll, it'll make the picture not look as quality. I know it's very basic. The other thing is when it comes to tools, make sure you understand that you, you need to be able to access everything right away. Mm. Right. Cause what happens right away when you get supplies and you're starting reselling, you're like, Oh, I'm just going to throw this over here, over there. And then you lose all this time finding stuff. So that's a real practical thing. All right. Let's talk about scale. Why do you need a scale? Why do I say it's a non-negotiable? We've already talked about it, right? You could be losing money if you go to the post office and try to measure. The other thing is it helps you calculate the shipping so you don't lose money on shipping when the item sells. Yeah. And the longer you do reselling, um, you can, you start to get an eye for it, right? You can start to kind of judge like an item like this is going to fit in this size box and it probably weighs this amount you know, shoes we've got down, like they're almost always under two pounds. They almost always fit in this size box. And this is about the cost it's going to be to ship it. Right. Mm -hmm. So eventually you're going to get better and better at that stuff. But yeah, the difference between 12 ounces and a pound and a half can be huge depending on what type Mm -hmm. of shipping you're doing. Right. So, um, it's, it's, is a good idea to have a scale that goes down to ounces to not be using a bathroom scale. Um, because I mean, I, I have actually had to use bathroom scales and I'm shipping a ton of books. Um, not quite a ton, but you know, like 75 pounds of books. I've done that before. That. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you may end up needing a bathroom scale for certain things. Uh, but the nice thing is too, they have scales that have removable face plates. I would, I would recommend one of those where it's like, it pulls away like on a cord. And so you can put boxes on and it's not blocking the weight of something. Um, and I've actually found multiple scales just outsourcing. So when I first started reselling, I didn't have a scale. And I remember the garage sale that I was at, that I bought my first scale. And I brought it home and I told my wife, like, look, I got the scale. And I was like, sweet. And then we started using it. And yeah, now I look back, I'm like, how did we ever do it without a scale? Yeah, so. agreed. Once you go scale, you never go back. Yeah. So once you go scale, you never go to the mail to weigh your resale. All right, we'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> All right. But hey, and again, we're not, you know, listen, you don't have to use our links. I'm just saying that scale is such a huge part. And the other part of it is, you know, understand, and we'll talk about this later, and this is later in our steps, is that you do not want to ship something that you pay the U.S. post office. Mm-hmm. You want to print your label at home. And what the scale does, it allows you to do that. All right. So, 
you also need some kind of measuring tape, some kind of way to measure the box or the envelope that you're using. Okay. So I would say that's part of the non-negotiable, right? Because you want to be able to be efficient with your time and you want to, you know, make sure you keep some profits to yourself. Okay. All right. Now you have to be able to know where you're going to access supplies. I think this is the hardest one when you're starting off because, you know, I now I have a whole shed that has every single box I need, every envelope I need, has all my tape, has has everything. So I never go looking unless I run out. But when you're first starting, you're like, I don't know what to get. And then you don't want to buy stuff preemptively because you might buy something to, you know, ship and it may take you six, eight months, 10 months. Now, some people do pack stuff right away. I don't know. It depends. I don't do that because I feel like it takes up a ton of space. Right. I sell a lot of shoes. And if I had every single pair of shoes like packed up, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd have to get like another storage unit just for shoes. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Um, and I remember when I first started, um, the, the things that ended up becoming key buys for me were um, rolls of paper or, or boxes of paper from like U-Haul or even um, Walmart's pack of paper isn't too badly priced. We've, we find it's a little cheaper at U-Haul. Paper is great because, I mean, it's a little heavier than than bubble wrap, but you get so much of it and you can store it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Bubble wrap, if you can get it, I hopefully you're able to just source it from places, friends, family, um, businesses that just throw it out uh, because that stuff is like gold. I always tell people like, please don't throw that stuff away because it's just so expensive to buy. Um, but here's how I started. And maybe, maybe you'd say like, this isn't the professional way of doing it. But I remember when I first started and things were selling, I was like, this is breakable. I don't have bubble wrap. If I go out and buy bubble wrap from Walmart for all this stuff, like it's going to cost me a fortune. So I was putting stuff in bags. Like I had paper bags and I'd have like sometimes plastic bags, depending on the item. And then I would take newspapers that I had or like things like that. And I'd wad that up instead of, so I didn't want the ink to get on the item. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't using pure white paper, but I was like, well, this stuff is pretty much free. You know, like I've got no, I use newspaper as part of what I did back. Yeah. And so now I use pure white paper that I'm, I'm paying for. And then I don't have to worry about like getting newspapers from people or, you know, whatever. But, you know, if you're in a bind, that is an option when you're first starting out. If you don't have bubble wrap, man, you need to make sure your stuff's packed well. And there's nothing wrong with using some newspapers as long as the item is protected from the ink that could get on it from the newspaper because the newspaper will bleed on stuff. Now, and there's nothing wrong with buying supplies before making those network connections. Actually, you just reminded me I was supposed to pick up some uh, air bubbles today. All right. Anyways. And I've, it's been sitting in somebody's porch for like a week and a half. So I'm going to find out who that is and I'm going to steal your connection. <laughs> They're going to start giving it to me. All right, that may happen. All right. So for example, I knew that I had a dollar store around the corner from my place. And so I knew exactly where I was going to get my air jackets or my padded envelopes. I knew the bubble wrap there was terrible. I knew I needed to get the bubble wrap from somewhere else. But, you know, if I ever was in a pinch and I ran out of shipping tape or whatever it is, like I knew I had that dollar store. So know where you can go. Not saying you buy it all because, right, you have low capital in the very beginning, but know where you can get items, right? That's very important. So just be aware. So again, figure out what supplies you'll need. I would say the non-negotiables are your cell phone, which you already can use as your camera, some kind of tools to get your white background, right? A scale and know where, and again, with the scale, kind of like a ruler or something to be able to measure things. And then where you're going to get your shipping supplies if things go down. Oh, good point. 
All right, hey, real quick, I want to take a moment to talk about our social. So if you haven't had a chance, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pure Hustle Podcast. On Twitter, we are Pure Hustle Cast. You can also give us a call, 619-738-1170, 619-738-1170. If you're wondering why I'm laughing on the YouTube, Mike likes to make these actions to get people to yeah, no I don't know what to ever do when you're giving the spiel. So I can either sit <laughs> here good. or I that's can good. like, I could do no, some dancing. You can also email us at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening to us on the podcast and you want to see our beautiful purple eBay for business shirts or our mugs, you can follow us on YouTube. Subscribe. Hey, we're almost at 3K yeah. on YouTube. Hopefully by the time this episode drops, we're already at 3K. Yeah. If you're not subscribed to us yet, um, and you listen to us on the podcast because we have significantly more people who listen to the podcast and follow us on YouTube. Um, yeah, if you've got a, a Google account, like go over and just subscribe to us because what it does is it helps us in the algorithms, it helps people find us. Um, and we would love just and, and do give it us for the like, algorithm. Yeah, I, honestly, like it would help us out a ton if you subscribe to us. Um, and because you never know, you might end up watching a video here and there if you're like, oh, that'd be cool. Um, keep listening to us on the podcast. We love that. We, I mean, we do this as a podcast. We're primarily podcasters more than YouTubers, but um, we sometimes drop videos that aren't necessarily mentioned on the podcast. So you, you might miss those if you're not subscribed. Um, and so just hit the subscribe, hit the notification bell so that you get actual notifications when we drop new stuff uh, and then hit like on a couple of videos. Like that would really just help us out as far as letting other people know and find Pure Hustle podcast. Yeah. So Definitely, definitely helpful. And again, you've talked about the reviews. And uh, yeah, I want I want to read one of the let's reviews. Do it. All right. So actually, let's read two of them. Let's read them. So here's the thing. You guys have helped us so much with the reviews because with every positive review, not only just the stars, but the written ones that somebody else that goes, hey, I want to check this out. And it pushes us up in the iTunes. Reviews. And it gives us like motivation. So, oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. Okay. So actually, I want to read three. These aren't super long. Okay. <laughs> Mike's like, what? All right. Hey, thanks, Swan Song Vintage. They said, valuable knowledge passed on here. Absolutely love one of the best recently podcasts out there. Informative guests and engaging, knowledgeable host. Well, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Mike and Orlando, thanks for all you do for the reselling community. Oh, thank you for listening. You're why we do this. Yes, 100%. All right. Thriftpocalypse. Ooh, and that is an our awesome name. <laughs> he says, uh, his title is Real Relevant Reselling. Recommend the podcast. And says, I have been binging this podcast from episode one. Oh, nice. dude, from day one. Uh, Mike and Orlando give out the best content out there. I dislike iTunes, but I had to hop on here to show some of the boards. Man, now see that? You are a hustler <laughs> that is really showing us support. We appreciate that because I'm the same way. I don't have an iTunes account. So I would have to sign up for an iTunes account to leave a review like that. So I know what that took. Thank you. I appreciate that. Tracks me up. All right. And then uh, our last one, let me get to it real quick. That's so funny because actually I didn't have iTunes to the podcast. Too. Really? Yeah. So, all right. So this is from DRN.Cells. They said, so knowledgeable, gave us a five stars and said, Mike and Orlando are always dropping great tips every episode. Love hearing about bolos, level up reviews and more. I've been reselling for almost a year now and the information they're giving out has helped me to become full-time entrepreneur. Well, that's huge. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, that's a great accomplishment going full-time. And I'm sure there's plenty of, uh, of other people out there who've been a big part of you making that move, but that's, what's so awesome about being a part of this community, whether it's the interviews that we're doing or other resellers that we connect with, whether it's through social media, uh, whether it's listeners, whether it's other YouTubers, whatever it is, there's so many people who are coming together, dropping knowledge, trying to help, 
Uh, and so it's just, it's amazing to be a part of this community. So yeah, thank you. All right, enough patting on our backs. But uh, hey, if you also want to say in a monetary way, there's a link below. Really appreciate that. And anything you buy through those affiliate links helps us out, you know, it helps us go to In-N-Out Burger every once in a while or something. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> that'd be nice. Except I'm on keto, so I'd have to go protein style. All right. Hey, so, hey, I'm kind of on like a, something like that. I don't know. Anyways. All right. So the next one we're going to start talking about, hey, you have all this stuff, right? You already, you, you understand how to use the app. You figured out what money you're going to use. You're getting educated. You got the supplies. You've gone sourcing, right? You know what you're going to pick up, right? You've already gone to a couple of thrifts and now, now comes, I would say more of the the grunt work, what you need mm. to do. But before we do that, I think it's time. Oh, is it do time? Do you think it's time? Um, should we go? Should we go some more? Should we start talking about listings? Yeah, let's 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 do uh, okay. let's do number five, and then we'll and then we'll move on to our hustle. Uh, I just wanted to talk about those. I thought, okay, I'm so pumped because we have some awesome ones. All right, let's go. Let's talk about listings. Okay, so what do you do? Where well, you're overwhelmed? You have these items. And right away, you may go to the listing thing and it's like list. And it takes you through these whole like, you know, search categories and, you know, search item specifics. Don't do any of that. Like normal, research stuff, right? Research is sold. And then look for the highest priced or kind of in a good range. Go to that one. Go to that listing. And then it gives you a little option of do you have the same or something similar? Mm. Sell now. Click on that and do the sell similar option. Is that how you started or did you start off cold right away? No, it was always sell similar. And in fact, that actually got me into some trouble uh, at times. Oh, really? Yeah, because I would, there were certain things I'd just copy straight over and I would, it wasn't, it wasn't all the time. It was only like every once in a while and there'd be little mistakes, right? Like I would put in the item description that the shirt was a large, but the, the sell similar that I used, like in the title, it said medium and I didn't oh, always man. make yeah, those you corrections. Know, you gotta be careful. Yeah. So um, use sell similar for sure. But double check to make sure because there's going to be differences. Like typically you're not selling the exact, exact same thing. And even if you are, you might not like the way they worded some things, but you definitely want to, especially if you're looking at ones that have sold for the highest amounts. It's it's almost like like free gifts given to you. Like here, <laughs> here are potentially the reasons why this sold is because look at my title, look at my description, take some of these, borrow some of these. I always tell I'm an English teacher. I'm like really big on students, like just copy, copywriting or copy editing where they literally take a, a pa passage, short paragraph and they write it down and I can hardly ever get them to do this. I, I asked them to do this like on their own for extra, but you literally can start taking these skills from another established author and it becomes part of your own writing style because you write, you just literally wrote what they wrote and part of that becomes like you. And you do that when you do sell similar, what you're doing is not just stealing their post for the that minute for that one post but you're learning techniques that you're going to use forever because you might say oh it's a really good idea to include the color or the size and have it in this order and then oh look all the ones that are selling for a lot um, have these types of keywords in their descriptions or in their titles and so you're gaining those skills that you can use on postings where you might have to go cold where there might not be any comps that have sold yeah i mean and that, that's the thing it is like a free gift because all the research is already done for you. Yep. Right. And one of the key things, and you mentioned this a little bit is the keywords. Mm -hmm. Like you don't want the keywords of the stuff that's sold for the cheapest, right? Because chances are that those that sold for the cheapest, 
they also may have the bad pictures or they may have had they may have sold for that cheap because they had something misspelled or incorrect. Right. You want to go with the top. Right. Because one of the questions I always get is, how do I how do I know what worse news? OK, look and see what the items that sold the most for are using for those keywords. And it's OK. It's OK for you to borrow those. Right. You're trying to model. And then and again, this is before you get all these resources. So. If when you become, you know, more, I would say experienced reseller, you may eventually get an eBay store and you'll have access to sell dot uh, which is therapy, which there's an SEO search, which is search engine op- optimization, which will give you the best keywords for certain items. Right. Or you also have tools to like sell through rate on therapy or you'll have tools of, you know, did people how many people sold this with free shipping? How many people charge shipping? How much did they charge? So right away when you're new, you're not going to have access to that. So as they say, access, 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 access to that. Okay. And so what you do is you look at those listings. If nine out of the 10 listings that sold for good money was free shipping, you probably want to do free shipping on your item, yeah. right? If nine out of the 10 items had, and you and you and I will, you know, go back and forth on this had free returns or 30 day returns. You may want to consider that. Right. You want to model what the best listings have. But the most important thing is the keywords and it's going to be your pictures. Right. Because I will guarantee that the items that sold for the most money had the best pictures. Right. So you want to make sure you do that. Now, the other thing on top of that, let's go back to the title here. You want to use all 180 characters. Mm. Does that make sense? Right. Like, and you don't want to spam it, right? But the very first word you want to use is the brand, right? Because you, that's going to, what people are going to, they're going to be looking for a Nike or a Pendleton or a Harley or, you know, whatever it is, that's what going to be looking for. Next, and some people debate this, they want to know if it's a man's or a woman's items, right? So you may want to have that in your title or make sure it's in your item specifics. Then after that, you want to put keywords that are proper nouns. I'm getting English here, right? Proper nouns that are tied to your item, right? So you don't want to just go generic, like, you know, this is a, a Nike shoe. Okay. You want to say what kind of shoe? Is this a Nike Flyknit? Is this, you know, a Nike, I mean, whatever you want to call it, a Nike Jordan, whatever you want to use those proper. Then you want to make sure you have your size on there. Now, towards the end is where you kind of get into like these constant filler words. So, for example, cowboy boots. If I find a pair of cowboy boots, and usually they're Tony Lama or whatever, I'll put vintage. Then I'll put Tony Lama, right? So you always want to learn NWT, new with tags, NIB, new inbox, NWOB, new without box, or NIP, new in package, or <laughs> um, VTG, which is vintage, right? You want to learn these keywords, right? When you're starting off, right? Because People are looking for those. So I would put, you know, vintage. Let's say it's new with tags. Vintage, new with tags. Maybe it's dead sock. So you want to learn what dead sock is, but let's say it's not. Vintage, new with tags, Tony Lama, men's. And then you want to get really specific. Is it Tehu Lizard? Is it snakeskin? And then you want to get into the colors. Then you put maybe the model, right? If you find the model, and then you put the size. Then after that, I'll usually throw in some random words like Western, rancher. You know, obviously, cowboy people boots might be searching for. Yeah, cowboy boots is something I would use. Uh, but the other thing is, make sure in your listing when you're doing that later on your item specifics, 
you get as specific as possible because eBay has been very clear that that's what they're looking for. Yep. Right. So be clear about that. That makes sense on the, on the, this is just, we're just talking about the title of the listing. There's so yeah. much more we need to go to. Yeah, no, very, very true. So, and it's, it's a lot, it's overwhelming. And I'll be honest, when I first started, my titles weren't the best. Uh, my descriptions weren't the best and I was still selling. And it's one of those things you're going to get better. Part of the thing is to realize it's better to do something than to do nothing. Right. It's better to yes, it's, it's, 100%. it's better to list something with an imperfect title than to not list because you're stuck on I don't know how to do the best titles and you're spending too much time. It just doesn't end up happening. That's a at great all. point though. Like that's something you can get caught up on. I remember when I first started, I would spend sometimes half an hour trying mm. to find the right keywords. You don't want to. Yeah, it's not worth it. At that point, you're losing money because your your time is valuable. And so yeah, I mean, as you go, and and I'm still occasionally going back and making corrections on some of the things I bought back in the beginning. Like, oh, this is a lame title, or man, those pictures. I should really redo those. So you you're gonna have time later on as you learn to go back and maybe change a few things. But I had a whole lot of stuff that sold that I probably should have changed, but didn't need to because it sold. So it's better to do something, learn how to do titles well as much as you can, uh, but just get something up there, get it listed, and and continue to learn. Just that's one thing I just want to remind people because I remember being a new reseller and just how overwhelming some of it can be. And when you've been doing it for a long time, you, you almost forget how how it felt. And so the titles, they're important. And the better you do on them, the more your sales are going to be. But you'll be surprised. You might be able to sell seven out of 10 things with just okay titles. And those other three, you're going to have to tighten up some point down the road. Yeah. So, but titles are, are super important. But... The next part is pictures, but before we talk about that, I think it's time for our, oh man, I was about to drop the, I was hoping your sound to drop, but this is the part that I wanted to get to, but we're at it now. So let's do our, oh man, we're having some technical, this is a, by the way, we are super organic. So, yeah. And so this is, this is how it goes, but you, you know, what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think this has ever happened. The, the entire time we've had these sound effects, we never had this problem. Yeah, it happens. So, it's oh. all right. It's time for... Come on, hustlers. There we go. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. So kind of the week. So kind of how like this is the ep- top 10 tips yeah. for new resellers. This is kind of like... What if we did podcast one again? That's kind of what it's like. We're just taking it back. What do you mean? I'm just joking. Anyways. I have no idea what you're talking about. All right. Well, no, because, you know, podcast one, we were still trying to figure things out, right? But we're good. We're good. I get what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Anyways, all right. Mike, throw us a hustle of the week. All right. So first hustle of the week comes from Sarah, IG handle at sales by Sarah. So sales underscore by underscore Sarah had a bunch of stuff donated and ended up with a Sansui receiver. So this is like an old vintage uh, receiver that you would use for um, like audio equipment. Um, Previously sold one for $380. The problem was it had no power cord. Checked comps to see if it would sell for parts. Put off listing because it was super heavy and once listed, it sold the next day for full asking price of $275 plus shipping for a four parts receiver. Now, that's one of those things, right? Like you can get to the point where you're like, man, this is, it's heavy. It's a lot of work. It doesn't work. Should I list it? I got a whole bunch of VCRs that are like that. But man, some of these vintage electronics, it's worth it. And to turn something that was free to $275 not a bad job. But isn't that always the case? Like you put off something like you don't want to list it 
because it's a lot of work. And then the moment you list it, like, boom, it sells the next mm-hmm. day. And you're like, why didn't I just list that? So, and it's funny because when I was DMing Sarah, she was like, yeah, I also wasn't looking forward to the shipping. Yep. Yep. Right. And so she's been selling for a while. So understand, like, if you're a new seller, sometimes these bulkier items are going to bring you more money, but they are going to, they're going to take some work, right? To, especially this receiver. I'm, it was pretty heavy. She had told me. And so it took a lot of work, but sometimes that separates you from the competition and there's money to be made. So, Hey, Sarah, IG handle sales underscore buy underscore Sarah. Great work on that Santui and the other one that you sold. That's a lot. That's a lot of profit right yeah. there. Especially stuff that's done. I had one of those back when I was, uh, when I was, a. Uh, Pretend audiophile when I was a teenager. <laughs> I had a nice sensory receiver. I didn't even know until she shares with me. So that's good. All right. Next one. It's Byron. IG handle Byron TV. One of our followers always posting us on Instagram, always tagging us. And, you know, I'm glad that we can share this hustle of the week. And he's being real on this one. So this is something you guys should pay attention to because Byron just jumped into doing eBay, but he was doing a lot of Amazon before. And what he was doing was, he was doing a lot of video game consoles, but it takes a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. Remember like your Nintendo console? Like, yeah. <laughs> would you still sell that Nintendo console knowing that you would have to like boil parts and all that? Would I sell it or oh, buy, no, it? buy it? No, no, I okay. wouldn't have bought it. All right. So that's part of reselling, right? If you're new, you do get into these places where you end up, you know, feeling a little burnt out. So he got burnt out doing the video game consoles because it was a lot of work. He had to prep. And so he wasn't enjoying it. Well, in January, I don't know if it was part of his New Year resolutions, he decided to start learning books for FBA. So he goes to Value Village, which is kind of like our savers here. This is in Canada, right? He finds a book for $5.99 Canadian dollars. And within three weeks, that sells on FBA for $179.99 Canadian dollars. Yeah, that's a way not to get burnt out. No, because, I mean, that's, and here's the thing, books... Like you just never know. Now with books, there is a lot of junk. That's the hardest part to understand. Like even, even if you're doing it for eBay, like it's hard to make a profit on books because it is, you know, you got to scan a lot of junk before you find something profitable. Here's the title of this book though. I wanted to share this. FYI for your improvement. Un guide de développement. Est, and, then, and then it's French after that. So, so you're, not going to share the title. Well, okay. Do You're you just going to say that it's... I don't want to butcher the French language. But why do you have to share it? Because it's FY for your improvement. That's just the key title of the book. Oh, okay. Right? So if you look at this book, it's very... Un- if you go to Byron's Instagram page, it's a very unassuming books. Right? So if you're doing Amazon FBA with books, it's, you know, it's, that's why I always say scan everything. And you're scanning not to find the gold. You're scanning to get rid of the junk to end up at the gold. So And the same yeah. thing with eBay. When you're out there thrifting... Right, you're gonna go through a lot of junk as a new seller before you find right those home runs. Sometimes it's like finding a needle in a haystack, but uh, you know, you're you're refining, you're getting rid of the dross, and you're finding the gold. <laughs> okay, right? No, no, it's good. Hey, so great job, Byron! Thanks for being an awesome follower of the podcast or Instagram page. So that is Byron IG handle Byron TV. All right, our next one comes from Jose IG handle at Kickflip Thrifts. Uh, so his teenage daughter was bugging him about jelly. She shot, saw people testing out on TikTok and noticed that the hashtag flip life Twitter hashtag started catching on. Do you so, know what those jellies are? Those jelly candy? Uh-uh. So there's these jelly candies on TikTok. They look like fruits. Like they're jelly. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know why it caught on. Mm-hmm. I never could get my hands on any because they sold out everywhere. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. go ahead. 
And it shows the power of trends. So I found some of these TikTok jelly candies while on vacation. Bought the whole stock for 20 bags. Of, of 20, 20 bags. Legs. Yep. I know how to read. Thank Sorry. you. Um, figured out a way to fly them back and started selling the same day that they were listed. Sold out within days. The buy cost was $2.50 a bag and sold them each for $39.99 plus shipping, but didn't sell the 20th bag. Decided to give it to the daughter because, you know, daughter was the one that uh, gave him the uh, the hint that these were the things to buy. Uh, so anyways, continued to restock, but eventually prices began to drop, which they always do. Uh, but incredibly quick ROI, man. If you can get on trends like that, that is the way to do it. Yeah. And I got to tell you, TikTok is, I would say they show trending stuff way before Instagram, way before Facebook, as far as what people, you know, in their in their late teens, early 20s are wanting to get right away. No. It, I can't tell you how much stuff is trending really fast. So if you're not on there, you know, you can f- just follow us, TikTok, <laughs> Pure Podcast. So yeah. Anyways, great job, Jose. Thanks for sharing with us. IG handle kick flip thrifts. And uh man, I wanted to get my hand on those candies just to try it out. But that's a nice, that's a nice return. $250 to $39.99. Great work. So all right. How about your hustle of the week? So my hustle of the week is interesting. Uh, it's still gonna pan out because we're recording, we're recording this on a Friday night, which normally we don't record this early before we drop. Uh, and Saturday, I'm planning on going, doing some garage sales, in my thrift stores. But I have like, as of now, six or seven people that I'm going to be meeting up with to buy things that I got connected to from a Craigslist ad that I put out yesterday afternoon, right? So after our last interview with Primetime Treasure Hunter, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this Craigslist thing. And so I... Threw together an ad. I worked on the, the 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 keywords. I made a graphic, and I researched a niche that wasn't already saturated on Craigslist as far as people with ads. And the nice thing is, it took a long time to find the one that I was looking for. And I set up this this ad, and I'm the only person in our area with ads for this item. Nice, right? So until I start making ads for, I'm just like, oh man, that. I would, I would not be happy. No longer would it be pure as a podcast. Yeah, I, I will slash your tires if you do. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that got violent fast. I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> it took some time. But man, being the only one, like even though this isn't like a big thing where like there's thousands of these selling every day, so that that would cause it to be a saturated market, and you're gonna have a hard time competing. But I'm in a market where there's not a ton of people like even selling their own things, but there's enough. And because I'm the only one within under 24 hours, I've had six connections. I've had more than that, that like I couldn't come to agreement with prices. But the crazy thing is I know some about this niche, maybe more than other people in some ways. However, almost everything that has been sent to me, I've had to research Hmm. before. I'm like, yes, I'm going to buy it. I'm like, okay, should I buy this? And so I'm looking up and I'm looking at the pictures that are sending and I'm, I'm researching items. And so like, Basically, by creating this ad and having to respond to these people, because you got to respond quick. If you remember back to what Craigslist Hunter was saying, I'm not Craigslist Hunter, uh, Primetime Treasure Hunter said, you got to respond quick to these ads. So I'm like researching fast, like on the fly. Like, now I need to become an expert, not just in this niche, because niches can be huge, but in this item. Is this item worth it? What condition does it need to be in? And it's crazy because it's going back to this idea of research. This is forcing me to learn a lot, but I've probably made at least $300 net off of these places I'm going to stop tomorrow. And imagine that, like, imagine if I could tell you, you can, you're going to go to, to six garage sales tomorrow and you're guaranteed to make at least $300 and here are the items you're going to pick up. Right. It'd be nice. Cause sometimes you go out to garage sales and you get nothing. 
And you could be driving around to place to place to place. You know That's a rarity, mean? but yeah. You say it's a rarity, but I mean, it does happen. Like it's not every, there's some days where it's like, yeah, I made a thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Days you make like two, three hundred. Yeah. Some, and some days you, you don't even make that, right? Like, oh man, you're acting really. No, no, no. I would right say, now. no, no. I would say back in the day, like bef- when I first started, like in time, right? You learn and you start, because I remember there were days where I'd be like, there's absolutely nothing. Well, I'm not saying that there's nothing, but like, let's just, if we were to look at our Instagram, there's many, many times you go out and it's like you show your trunk and it's like five items and it's like not a great day garage selling, not a no, great. No, so it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's probably 20% of the time, 30% of the time, you know, yeah, yeah. and I'm still going to go garage selling. So it's like guaranteed that on top of whatever I'm going to do garage selling. That's awesome though. Yeah. I mean that, and again, it's, it's, it was a little legwork putting that sign together and posting and all that, but now it's coming to you. And it's under 24 hours, right? Is what I'm saying. So like, who knows what this is going to look like over the next week if this would have been up for a week how much would i have made tomorrow going out buying stuff you know no, it's it's I, I think it's genius um it's awesome i keep saying saying like mike you fast-tracked like <laughs> your knowledge of reselling right and and the thing is the thing about it like we i mean i've been selling for years but it wasn't until prime, prime time treasure started talking about it that you took action and i'm finally going to start taking action even though i've been about reselling business cards i've been about networking with people but, you know, sometimes it just takes that one person that's done it a lot to, to kind of, you know, push you to the next level. So that is nice. What about you? What's your <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just pondering about all this stuff. I, I like I know what you're talking about and I, I really want to know, like, how things land, you know, and obviously you don't have to give specifics. But was it worth it? Right. Or does it because you had talked about earlier that it's kind of the negotiation changes when somebody's trying to sell you something. Yeah. And we'll probably even mention that on, on maybe our next level up review. Cause we're still talking about negotiation. I think it's going to be our last one. Um, it's, uh, it is different. Like I've been using a lot of my negotiation skills. I feel like I've been, I've been texting my wife a lot, like screenshots of like the conversations I'm having with some of these people. And I'm like, <clears throat> I basically just send the, the 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 text message and just say like mic drop or like <laughs> crushed it or like negotiation masters. Well, because it's like I'm showing that the the techniques that I put in place from our our never split the difference are like working. No, it's nice. Like it's I, validation. I, I, like I'm talking like I'll send her like a long, not even that long, like like maybe five or six back and forth with somebody, and they're like, no, I will not sell this for under eighty bucks. I will not. I'm stuck. I will go down to seventy five, and I'm just like. Hey, sorry. Like, and I'm, I use all the techniques. And by the time we're done, I'm like, Hey, if you ever want to sell this, like I, you know, hit me up. I am sure you can probably make what you're asking for it. Um, you know, just take some time. Good luck. And then like 20 minutes later, they're texting back. Fine. You can have it for 30. And it's like, <laughs> boom, you know, no, that's awesome. It's good. So, all right. So my house a little, uh, the week's a little different. Uh, <clears throat> it's not a specific item. So I was in the Bay area. I didn't get to go to, uh, the Super Bowl parade. Uh, but instead, I decided to go sourcing. And I learned a very valuable lesson. So I went to the store. <clears throat> and those of you who watch this on Instagram, you saw the first time I went there. So I went there the first go around. First go around, I scored. I mean, I probably, I would say in that one trip, I paid for my entire trip. Now, granted, I do use, you know, miles that I get through using my Southwest credit card. But it paid for my hotel. And it paid for my car rental. And it paid for the meals that I paid for. Now, obviously, all the stuff has to sell, but on that one trip, I was able to pay for everything, and it was beautiful. But here's what happened. So I went that one time, and I thought, this is kind of interesting, because I showed up later. So I was trying to get there at 8 a.m., 
and I showed up like at 1030. It's funny because uh, somebody who listens to the podcast had contacted me and goes, yeah, I was there early. And I'm like, oh, that's why all the good stuff is gone. And so I thought, interesting, because when I was there, there was still good stuff. So they they restocked at some point in time. Right. And I noticed that because <laughs> I was so heartbroken. There was a 49ers satin starter jacket. For whatever reason, I missed it. And it was probably selling for 20 to 30. And the guy's going to flip it for over $100 easy, even though the 49ers lost. But it got me thinking. I go, huh, I could either A, go to a bunch of stores and stores that shall not be named and other thrift stores in the area. Or maybe I go grab some lunch. I go to Starbucks. I do some listings. I do some counter offers. And then I show up five hours later and I, maybe there's good stuff there. Now, what got me thinking about this was when I showed up, there was all kinds of people there and all kinds of park people in the parking lot. When I walked out, like I took inventory of the cars in the parking lot. When I walked out of the store, I looked all different kinds of cars, right? I was maybe one out of, you know, three cars that were still there. I go, huh? So this is getting a lot of foot traffic on a restock. There was excellent stuff. I wonder what happens if I show up five hours later. So I went five hours later and I didn't show this on Instagram because it's just an experiment. And I also didn't want to like, you know, have anyways, I just didn't want to, you know, I'm very big on, I'm, I don't want to go to a store too many times because, you know, maybe I'll end up telling people like, this is a store to go to and then ends up flooding that store. And I didn't want that to happen. So I go back in. First thing I find is a Harley Davidson leather shirt jacket. And if you know anything about these, you know, they sell for, I've sold them for $150 to $200 and there was one for 30 bucks. Sweet. Then I find a Star Wars Mark Echo, uh, I think is like a dark side jacket for 15 that sells for $50 easy. Then I find other jackets and I find other shoes. And I, so basically, I found a whole bunch of inventory. Actually, my second go round was better than the first go round. So I'm like, huh, this is really interesting. I wonder what happens if I go a third time. So now I didn't go the same evening because I'm like, hey, you know, maybe they don't restock in the evening or whatever. So, you know, I waited till the next morning. I got up and I knew exactly when they restocked items based on what happened the day before. And sure enough, at the exact, so I woke up a little later. I showed up a little later. I showed up around the time that they restocked the day before. I show up, sure enough, they restocked. Picked up all kinds of stuff again. You know, Abercrombie and Fitch vintage jackets. Uh, I ended up picking up, what else? Um, some uh, kind of like Sherpa kind of vintage stuff that sells for good money. I ended up picking up more shoes. I mean, and this is just in clothing. Like there was a lot of hard goods that I had to pass on. So I learned a very, very valuable lesson. Number one, when you go thrifting and it's a store that has high traffic, take a look at how much business that place gets. How many people are in that store at any given time? Then take a look at the cars in the parking lot. And when you walk out, are those exact cars there? If it's already, you know, transitioned a lot and you are one of maybe two or three, that means that people are buying stuff and they're going to constantly restock stuff. Number three you know, be aware when the restock happens. So I did a whole lot better by going to the same store three times over two days than going to different stores. Cause I did go to three stores that shall not be named and it was garbage. It was not worth my time. And so 
learned a very important lesson. And, you know, there's that honey hole we go to here. I'm pretty sure it's the same thing because I've gone there in the morning and afternoon and it still was worth it for me to go. So that is my hustle of the week. I probably am going to net at least 2K from those three trips that I made. So it's definitely worth it to me. Yeah. So anyways, just something to think about. Hey guys, a um, little odd here, right? We're uh, kind of interrupting the flow of what's going awkward. on. Yeah, but what we decided this episode is going a little bit long and we feel like there's a lot of really important things that we want to cover. So we decided to actually uh, break this one up into two parts. Part two. Yeah, part two is coming your way. So if you finish listening to part one and you got something useful or you're like, you know what, I'm still waiting for that really useful thing, check out part two. It's either right above you on the feed or below, however you got it organized, right? And it's on YouTube. <laughs> so it's 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 released. It's, it's You'll there. find it. Yeah. It's not lost. Yeah. So anyways, thank you so much. We appreciate uh, you guys watching and listening to part one of our top 10 steps to, to being- start selling on eBay. That's it. That's it. He's got it. And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace. Peace.